actually leaving a mental space behind can be hard if you keep on thinking about it, which is what our brains just want to do. They just want to, you know, so it can be helpful to make some time at the end of work or at the end of a vacation or after a date to collect your thoughts and write them down. You know, it can be as simple as just opening up the notes app on your phone and just scrolling a couple things it takes barely any time at all. I think this is especially helpful if maybe you're coming from one relationship where there was conflict with that partner, you had to tackle some heavy talks and now you're coming back home to your nesting partner that you live with or, you know, going on a date with another partner that it's helpful to, you know, have that space to write out those thoughts that they're on the page and not bouncing around in your brain anymore. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about daily transitions. We've talked about life transitions and big things like that in the past, but today this is about the little transitions that you go through every day, whether that's transitioning from one partner to being with another, to being on a date, to being back home with your kids, to going from work to vacation or just relaxing in the evening. All these little transitions that are so much a part of our day, but can often be really challenging to do effectively. And so we're going to be covering a variety of things about all of those in this episode today. Yeah, so we do get a lot of emails and people who reach out to us asking about this particular topic. We did recently get a comment, I believe it was in our our Patreon, in our Facebook group, um, specifically from a listener talking about, you know, transitioning their time from being with one partner who was a newer partner to going back to their partner who was an older partner and also sounds like they were nesting with this partner as well. And there was things like having to go back to the cooking and the cleaning and helping the kids with schoolwork and stuff like that. And having a hard time, I think, reconciling that abrupt shift in energy and in feeling between these two relationships and between these two households, both alike in dignity. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice throwback there. I didn't think I'd say the word household and you have to follow it with that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely experienced that, like for sure. I think it's kind of inevitable, especially if you're in any kind of non-monogamous or multi-partner relationship, just out of the sheer fact that every single relationship, every single partner has a different history, different baggage, different responsibilities, different commitments and different levels of emotionality and intimacy. And so, of course, there's always going to be a sense of shifting gears slightly from one person to the other. Well, and even if you live alone, if you're very solo poly and don't have like a nesting relationship, transitioning from being with people over to not being with people, like transitioning into your maybe everyday like at home life or, you know, currently right now, many of us are on stay at home lockdown type orders and things like that. Like, what is that like versus uh, being with a partner and being alone. So there's a lot of different transitions to kind of delve into here. Absolutely. And and as the person who commented pointed out, there's really not a lot of resources about this. Uh, that, that there's really not 
no one seems to be talking about or writing about that transition specifically from being with one partner to coming back home to being with another and how that can be sort of jarring. And I've heard a lot of different versions of this where it's, you know, like, like the example that Dedeker talked about, about the new partner, it's all very exciting. And then it's kind of coming home to like the daily life with a partner and having to do the dishes and take care of the kids. And the, I've also heard it though, where it's, um, I'm out with this partner and we have this one particular kind of sexual energy or some sort of a BDSM dynamic to our relationship. And then when I go with my other partner where maybe we have like the opposite roles from that or it's just a very different type of relationship, maybe it's more of a, a queer platonic relationship, whatever it is, that that like switching between headspaces can be challenging. So in researching this, most of the research out there about switching mental states has to do with going from work to not work or from going from your daily life to vacation. Uh, this interesting field of research about why people come back from vacations and the effects, like the good effects of having a vacation go away incredibly quickly. Most of the time, there's sort of oh, a whole body. Say. Yeah, there's a whole body of research about why that is. And so for this episode, I'm actually kind of excited to take that sort of research and those ideas that come up in those articles about different types of transitions and how those can apply not only to something like work or getting into a project or going on vacation, but also switching between being with different partners or even just different people who are close and important in your life. Yeah. So the first thing to bear in mind is that turns out we're not computers. What? Hate to break it to you. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Jess is so sad about this. I know. <laughs> but I listen to all that electronic music to try to become one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, Emily. He'll be in the middle of coding in the middle of the day and he'll come in and, yeah, he'll be blasting on his headphones electronic music that you don't normally <laughs> listen beep, to. Beep, 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 That's right. not normally your scene, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's always like, I'm trying to become one with the computer. Wow. Well, <laughs> does it help? Works, do, you find, I guess. do you find that yeah, it helps, exactly. Does it? Uh, I, I do find that it helps. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I do it. Really? I don't do it every day. I mean, the other day I also listened to like a full day of Handel, a Handel, yes. you know, Renaissance Love music it. or Renaissance uh. and Baroque music. Uh, so it, it, I change it up. But often it's like I want really hard, very like <laughs> kind of electronic music so I can be one with the computer. Yeah. I would listen to very intense and fast electronic music if I was late to a gig and knew that I had to pull some dangerous maneuvers on the L.A. freeways. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would that would pump me up enough to, to get my courage to be like, OK, I can do this. Oh, dear. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> I, pretend, I pretend I was in Tron or something. Anyway, really? we're not computers. So we can't just like a computer immediately switch between tasks very easily. And we can't switch very easily between vastly different social situations as well. Now, it's something we do all the time. This is a very day-to-day -day situation where you're going from work to not work to friends to your partner to another partner or whatever. However, if we spend, you know, for instance, your whole drive home from work, um, or if right now you're working from home, your whole walk to the living room where your family is, uh, still thinking about work, still puzzling over work, then trying to immediately switch to on time, family time, date time. Often it can be difficult or sometimes just plain won't work. Yeah, it's like you're still kind of in work mode and then, you know, your partner or your kids are like, I'm hungry. Where's food? And it's like, ah, it's jarring. It's like this. You're trying to talk to me about one thing when I'm totally in a different headspace. 
Yeah, I definitely know for me that especially if I've had a very, very long work day and a very packed work day, it feels like it takes significantly longer for me to get out of that mode. Like when my brain has spent a solid eight or nine hours in one particular mode that it feels like it takes a whole a solid hour. I feel bad sometimes because I feel like I'm just like spacey and not very present and, you know, want to talk to my partner about work stuff that like they can't really help me with necessarily, <laughs> you know, like I definitely feel like my mind kind of getting stuck in that mode. So as far as tackling mental recalibration, it's really important to make sure that you're able to give yourself some kind of time for the transition. Now, this isn't going to be always available to you in every single situation. Sometimes we got to go back to back and just boom, boom, boom. But if you are able to carve out time for a transition, a mental transition, definitely take it. I do uh, appreciate being able to like drive somewhere for that mental recalibration sometimes like mm. the the opportunity to get to like be at a workspace and then drive home to your other destination whether it be home or another partner or somewhere is kind of nice because it allows for that time and it allows for that like maybe quiet moment to yourself and unfortunately not not all of us have that opportunity right now so we have to like have different sorts of boundaries for our time maybe if that's just like directly after the workday ends sitting there quietly for 15 minutes by yourself and sort of like transitioning personally and internally out of that time. Yeah, I think a big part of it is intentionally transitioning. So specifically in the commute, one thing that came up a lot in different articles that I read was this idea of it's not just enough to be in the car on your way home from work, say. It's that people would say things like, I have a specific landmark. Like there's this one big tree that's 15 minutes before I get to home. And when I see that, that's my cue to, okay, I'm going to stop rethinking about work stuff and trying to solve these problems. And now I'm going to start switching into my being at home brain and like what get mm. myself in that headspace. And so I think that same thing, Emily, like you said, is making that time intentional instead of, oh, I've got maybe I'll schedule 15 minutes between things, but then I spend the whole 15 scrolling Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah. So this could look like things like starting your wrap up at work earlier if you're able to or maybe even ending a date slightly earlier than you think that you may need to. I know that's something that's really hard to do when you're an NRE and just like every single little last second feels precious. But, mm -hmm. you know, you may consider when you're making transitions between partners of actually giving yourself a little bit of that time to transition. I know that this is something I've been puzzling over for years because in my life, like I spend big chunks of the year living with Jace, alternating with chunks of the year living with my other partner, Alex. And that transition, I mean, I think I'm used to it at this point, just because it's happened so many times. But I will say that like, it's often this week of this really, really weird emotional space of being really sad that I'm now separated from a partner that I just spent all this time with, combined with being really excited to be reunited with a partner that I haven't physically been with in quite a while. And that's a, it's a, not a bad space to be in, but it's definitely weird. Hmm. And I've certainly tried to puzzle over like, huh, what do I need to do about that transition? It's not always feasible for me to be like, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else on my own for a week and just deal with it that way. Like, I, I you know, I don't know. That's definitely something that I've also kind of tried to puzzle over is like, what's a way to ritualize that or make that transition feel a little bit more intentional, like you said. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's, I think that there's an element of communicating to your partner about it or to the people around you, you know, if your family or your friends and let them know that you need a little transition time, uh, that if you can though, it's great if you can find a space to do that, you know, maybe having a whole week to yourself is a bit much, uh, scheduling wise, but something else that a lot of people talked about with making the transition from work to home or, and I think this is actually a really, really good one. If you're actually going out on a date, like you're out of the house, spending time with someone is on your way back to home, especially if you live at home with another partner is to stop somewhere on the way home, like stop and get a coffee or something like that, or stop at a park nearby and just take a little walk or do something to kind of give yourself a moment to come down from one thing and prepare for another rather than just rushing from one to the other. So that's something that came up a lot. And I think that if you're stuck at home right now, going for a walk is a nice alternative for that. That's something that Dedeker and I have actually started doing fairly regularly, not quite every day, but is when work, when both of us are done with work, we'll say, should we go for a walk now? Yeah, let's go for a walk. And we'll both just go together. Even sometimes it's really short. It's 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes it's a longer walk, but it just kind of is a signal of, hey, we're getting out of that space. We're moving into a different space. And it often takes me at least the first half of that walk to kind of get out of my work brain. Yeah. Have I talked about Cuddle Club? on this show before mm, i don't think so <laughs> not that i recall that's the silly kind of transitional ritual that i have with alex at the end of the workday, and uh -huh. i mean especially especially you know when we were in the same house you know once lockdown was a thing and we were both working from home that yeah cuddle club is just uh just sitting on the couch for five minutes cuddling ideally hence uh -huh. the name <laughs> um, right but but I found that was a super useful transition. And it's again, it's like, you know, not no phones. We're not like watching something on TV or whatever. Like it's literally just kind of like five or 10 minutes of just mm. us time, just like talking about the day or whatever. And then, you know, then maybe we'll go for a walk or make dinner or or figure out what's going to happen for the evening or go our separate ways or whatever. And yeah, I found that like having that kind of touch point again, it's like your brain really loves these like repeating symbols and repeating mm. rituals and cyclical nature of things. It was like that touch point. Like, okay, I've arrived at Cuddle Club and it, <laughs> don't laugh at uh -huh. me. No, I love it. It's very sweet. <laughs> it's a very exclusive club. Yeah, um, it is. You know, became just that much easier to know, okay, I can transition into relaxing time now or transition into like whatever's next. That's not work. See, I use my walk in the morning it's the first thing that I do in the morning. And to me, it offers like a transition of, OK, I'm I'm up now. I've had some like water to rehydrate my body. And now like I'm going for my 45 minute or hour walk. And then right. like I can tackle the day after that. So I think <laughs> that it can be used in whatever like method or way that works best for you in order to transition into the next thing. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, clear divisions between tasks during working when you are like at work or at home. Um, so, OK, getting in the zone, it's like a very great feeling and it can be really stressful and disorienting to like constantly be interrupted from that flow. Like Jay specifically, like, I'm I was thinking say of Jace, you with this. Yes. Yeah. Jace wrote this line. I yeah, definitely. So obviously. Because, because he, I feel like the half of this podcast is just Dedeker or I being like, uh, Jace, Jace, are you there? Jace. What are you Jace. doing? 
What are you doing, Jason? Hello. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he often, I think, just gets in the zone so much, and it's very difficult to like d- grab him and like take him on to the next thing. I mean, it's though, a great thing. There's so yeah, much research out there it's about impressive. how flow. And theta waves, not theta waves. Is it theta waves? Theta uh, waves some in your kind brain of waves. are like yeah. really important. And it's really good to be in that flow and in the zone and really good for creativity and productivity and all this stuff like that. Jay's is really, really great at that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in this, I think we all can be better at this, though, like creating these boundaries or these barriers um, around like certain blocks of time. It can really do great things for your productivity and for your mood. And I, all three of us, I think, have a hard time like stepping away from work. Maybe Dedeker is the best at it, but I know, like Jace, you're when Dedeker's not with you, often you'll be like, "Yeah, I'm working at like 9 p.m. in the evening," right? And yeah, you know, and just like when does work stop? I don't know. And I'll probably, you know, I'll often work on the weekends, even though maybe I should really delineate between play and work time. So. It is important to like have those very strict kind of boundaries around your work and play time because I think it can be really good for your mood and your overall sense of well-being. And it's nice to have boundaries. You can also apply this to how you approach your partners as well. That again, it's really nice to have ritual. So kind of like with the cuddle club thing of like, okay, yeah, it's five or 10 minutes where we're not on our phones and we're just hanging out, talking, touching each other, having a good time. It's very similar to that, you know, that it could be, okay, we're going to sit down for a meal without our phones, you know, and maybe my other partner knows that, you know, knows that for this period of time, I'm not going to be super responsive via text or things like that, that having boundaries and really protecting your time and protecting the time that you have with your partners can really, really help to kind of maintain these divisions so things don't feel quite so muddled or disorienting. Yeah, and especially with things like news, too, like it's good to get your phone away from you at times <sighs> just because there's so much it, between like just all the doom and gloom on Facebook and Twitter and all that. And then all the doom and gloom and the news, like it's really good to just dis- distance yourself from that for a time, um, mm-hmm. whether it's 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, and just kind of like maybe up that from there, however long you can stand. But especially if you can truly like disconnect from your phone and then be able to sit there and be present with your partner. It's a a lovely freeing thing. (laughs) Yeah. So this is something that I think for a lot of people, the idea of not being accessible on their phone is a stressful thought that it's maybe that sounds like it'd be nice, but it's but but I need to be available for for my kids or for my partners or for my family or, you know, whatever it is. And so if that's how you feel, something that can be helpful is to just start with a small little block. Say it's at the start of your workday or it's after your workday is over of having just like 30 minutes of time where I'm not going to respond to anything on my phone. I'm not going to check my email. I'm not going to read the news. I'm not going to be on social media, right? That I'm, I'm not going to do those things. I could still be on my computer playing a Sudoku game, if that's something that's fun for you. You know, you could be doing something on technology, but just not getting pulled into those things that sort of suck you out of time for yourself and instead put you into time for everybody else. And just taking that little bit and then see if you can grow from there can be a really kind of amazing transformative thing. And it it might be addictive enough that you're saying, I'm going to make more time like that during my day. 
I really like this one. Uh, change your clothes between your work and your home time. Like if you're going on a date, then generally you might want to be picking out your perfect outfit or whatever. But mm-hmm. I do love this idea of, you know, you have your work clothes. Dedeker right now, I'll paint a word picture she has on a very nice, <laughs> lovely button up shirt. But I'm assuming when you're doing your, you know, fun, let's hang out and do cuddle club and eat dinner or whatever, you're you're probably not going to have that on. I mean, oh, as I don't soon know. as we're done recording, I'm ripping this thing off. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Exactly, exactly, and that's oh, it's, that's yeah, really nice. it's like the taking the bra off transition at the yes. end of the day. Oh, I can't wait. It's just so nice. It's gotta, it's gotta come off. I'm done now. I will say yeah. though, I I have been resistant to this one for a long time. Until quite recently when I started kind of forcing myself to do it more so because often I'm, I don't know, to be totally honest, since I'm so used to working from home, like I kind of dress for comfort generally to look good, but be comfortable. And so often just like, oh, I can wear this the whole day um, or oh, I'm not that sweaty. I don't need to change my clothes, but still making myself do it anyway. is really nice. Mm. It's just real nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've also found that it's nice, even if it's not a big change it's not like i'm dressing up all the time when i work like i'm wearing a t-shirt right now but with slacks on the bottom half but just wearing a t-shirt and so my change in the evening might just be to put on shorts or to change my shoes or put on different slippers or you know something to just make it feel different that there's sort of a clear i'm not the work me now and so for me it's it's putting on slacks it's putting on pants it's like I'm in work mode. And then when I change into shorts or sweatpants or something, that's home mode. Now, it's funny, Emily, you mentioned the sprucing up for a date because that's one that I think feels very natural to people that, yeah, I'm going on a date, especially if it's someone new. Of course, I'm going to try to dress my best and make sure I look pretty and smell good and I'm groomed the way that I want to be groomed. And so we're used to that transition. And I think we don't realize how much that that transition in itself can transform you. And we tend to lose that either when coming back from that space, like coming back from the date or when we're preparing for date time with like a long established partner, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's one of the things that very quickly gets lost is that date time or quality time becomes less just schlub schlub on the couch and schlubbing on the couch is fantastic. And I love it so much and it's very needed sometimes, but there is also something of, even if we're going to schlub on the couch, if tonight's an intentional date night, we can still change our clothes, potentially. And again, it doesn't even have to be super fancy necessarily, but like there's something about that. You know, I know that I work with a lot of people where their partner starts dating someone new and they have a really hard time watching their partner suddenly put in all this effort, shaving and showering and dressing up and put mm-hmm. on the makeup, you know, the, for those like, well, I don't get that anymore, you yeah, know, and yeah. sometimes kind of roping that back into your relationship is really nice as well, especially to help get you in the mode of like, this is date time and it's not necessarily time where we're co-parenting or adulting or figuring out the bills or whatever. It's truly date time. Yeah. I have been here in this house with my partner for like the last four months. And that's basically been it. Haven't really seen many other people except for when I'm at work. Uh, but every Saturday is our day together. So I'm really trying to like put on put in a little bit of extra effort and put on some makeup and maybe put on a dress. Wow, I have those. <laughs> I should use them even though I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. But it's been really nice, like just in that transition and, you know, putting in a little extra effort so that he also knows that I appreciate him and want to like look nice for both of us, for me and for him. So... It's a nice thing to be able to do for for yourself and for your partner. 
Yeah, that's a nice yeah. way to look at it, too, if it is something you're doing to also get yourself in the mood. I like yeah. that. Because I, I don't sometimes I get tired of looking at myself with like no makeup on, just like in sweatpants. I'm like, good Lord, put in a little effort here, person. This reminds me of so thinking about the original person's comment about making the transition between partners. It reminds me of a book. Gosh, it was a series of books that were kind of hot in the early 2000s. It was a series of disaster preparedness handbooks. That were like a little bit tongue in cheek, but they were actually quite realistic of like, this is how you fly a plane. This is how you wrestle an alligator. This is right. how you birth a baby. I remember you those. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And they, they came out with a couple of different versions and one of them was for social situations as well. And I remember this is really terrible, but they had one that was about like how to successfully pull off an affair. Essentially. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I know. And, not, can, I, and even can in you the book, just switch the language a little bit and be like how to successfully pull off a polyamorous relationship well uh, <laughs> no okay if, if you wanted to be a very secretive and possibly hurtful polyamorous relationship i yes, say yes. those instructions and they were even like yeah you shouldn't do this but should you want to here's some things to try Gosh. but one of the things was you know keep a change of clothes in your vehicle and change clothes in between partners. And I guess their intention was less of like giving yourself a mental transition and more of a preventing you from getting caught, I guess, um, the old lipstick on the collar situation. Right. But but I actually I could see this actually being very effective if you're if you're driving back and forth between two partners and having a hard time kind of mentally transitioning between those relationships that that could be something as well, you know, to kind of just switch clothes and just see how that feels. What's this Marie Kondo thing that you wrote? Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but I remember in Marie Kondo's show, <laughs> she had this really funny moment where she's talking about like, I wish I could repeat her Japanese in her perfect, her perfect Japanese. No, no, I'm not going to embarrass myself in that way. <laughs> but, you know, she's like, yeah, like if you're going through the process of throwing out your stuff and you you get stuck or blocked or you just get frustrated or whatever, then change the air. It's like, could Kuki o kaite. That's what she would have said. Yeah. Kuki o kaite. You know, um, I'm going to spray and, this lavender yes, spray. Yes, exactly. Right now. So okay. it was like great, things like great. spraying, a, a, spraying a, yeah, spraying a room spray or lighting some incense or lighting a candle yeah. or opening a window or something like that. And I actually mm. really took that to heart. For me, when I'm working, if I come up against a task or if I'm writing something and I get sick of it, I try to kuki o kaite, change the air. By doing mm. those things. But that's also something to consider, I think, when switching between work and home or from your home office space, whatever that is, to going into home your office space. Room. Or if you don't have an office and it's just like, I just work in my living room, you know, that's a good way of being able to transition that space as well. You know, not only changing your clothes, but also like, okay, then I'm going to light this incense or light this candle. That's going to be the cue to me that I'm no longer in work mode. I'm in chill mode. Yeah, Josh has Palo Santo wood that he just like smudges all over the house. Do you, nice. It's from okay. Argentina. You just oh, light yeah, it, yeah. and then it has like a very, very strong scent. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think last thing I want to say about the the clothes actually is that I've found this one to also be really helpful for uh, getting in the mood to do chores. That or if work it's out. or workout. Yes, that's another good one. And often for me, they're the same if i can kind of like put on workout clothes to do chores and be like all right i'm gonna do it if i can get myself in that mental headspace i enjoy myself a lot more than being like oh here i am and like oh now i'm sweaty in my work clothes and you know it's that that same thing of having a change of mindset for it okay so now 
we are finishing with some kind of mental headspace, whether that's work or that's being on a date with one partner or whatever it is. When you leave that mental space, try to actually leave it. And we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, and it's easier said than done. But it's that idea of can you leave work at work? Or it comes up in uh, articles for athletes of how do you get into the zone, which is kind of how do you leave everything else behind, right? How do you let go of whatever drama is going on in your relationship or whatever so that you can focus on the task at hand? Basically, when you're leaving any one mental space for another, there's things you can do to try to kind of clean up and unload that previous task from your brain's RAM. <laughs> Again, oh, we, we are, we are the, computers the computer, after all. Yeah. The computer is <laughs> speaking. Okay. He really wishes he was a computer. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, actually leaving a mental space behind can be hard if you keep on thinking about it which is what our brains just want to do. They just want to, you know. So it can be helpful to make some time at the end of work or at the end of a vacation or after a date to collect your thoughts and write them down. You know, it can be as simple as just opening up the notes app on your phone and just scrolling a couple things. It takes barely any time at all. I think this is especially helpful if maybe you're coming from one relationship where there was conflict with that partner. You had to tackle some heavy talks and now you're coming back home to your nesting partner that you live with or, you know, going on a date with another partner that it's helpful to, you know, have that space to write out those thoughts that they're on the page and not bouncing around in your brain anymore. And by writing them down, you essentially give your brain permission to not be holding on to them anymore. And it's kind of like hit and save, doing a little control S or a little Apple S or going to a little save point in your game. Oh, I didn't a realize little... I could do that. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Emily is not a computer. No. No. I, I always am like, Jace, how do I do this? And then Jace sometimes is like, Dedeker, you know Apple's better than I do. How does she do this? I'm very grateful for both of you. <laughs> Maybe together, the three of us barely make a computer. Mm, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the aesthetic side. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the apple sheen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> it, though. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, wow. Yeah, and, and I love this. Also, I love this idea for dates. And I, I actually, so this is something that I have not thought to try yet, because in putting this episode together, I was like, this is a really cool idea. But... Doing that same sort of thing, like you might do at the end of work of saying, okay, this is what I worked on today. Here's what I still need to do tomorrow and writing it down and like leaving it on your desk so that the, tomorrow when you come in, you have it there. So you don't have to keep thinking, oh no, I, I got to make sure I don't forget that. Got to make sure I don't forget that while you're at home. That on a date, on your way back from it or right after the date, take a moment to yourself to just write down, this is what we did. This is what was great. I felt so amazing. This thing gave me a little bit of pause. I'm a little curious what's going on here. Maybe something to look into or like ask about another time to kind of have both of that, of this just reminiscing about how great it was, but also, huh, this is something I might want to ask about. I think could actually be really helpful for those early phases of a relationship where you're kind of so high on brain chemicals when you're with them that it's like, oh, right, I had all these things I wanted to ask, or I wanted to check on something that I wasn't sure if I understood them correctly when they told me about 
their relationship with their family or, you know, whatever it is that you have that. So then you you have sort of a record of it instead of just it flips out of your brain or that you wake up in the middle of the night going, right, I need to ask them about that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, in in terms of writing things down, I'm just going to say from like a to do list task standpoint, this is a really important thing to do, too, because mm-hmm. so often I'm like on a walk or I'm like working out or I'm doing dishes and I'm like, shit, I need to do this, this and this today. Yeah. And just being able to like take a moment, take a transition and <laughs> write something down and then go back into the thing if you need it is very important and Something that I definitely could be better on. Yeah. So you can use that in very many ways. So now that you've left behind the mental space you were in before, it's time to transition into the next one. But first, we're going to transition into talking about how to support this show and keep this around for everyone for free. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy, or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So once you want to get back into a mental space, we should actually like get into it. So we just (laughs) talked about leaving a mental space and actually leaving it. But then if you want to transition back into a space or go to a new mental space, then yeah, we're going to talk about some ways to actually insert yourself into that space. So instead of like saving our progress, we're kind of loading it back in. Like we've got our, uh, what, not, I wasn't even going to say CD-ROM drive. Like I had the image of a floppy disk in my uh, head uh-huh. and wow. like loading it really in. Really old school. Yeah. Uh-huh. Love it. Yeah, that was a well, long Jace, time ago. You talked about the fact that there is quite a lot of information about there about transitioning away from work. Mm-hmm. There's less information out there, you know, about the opposite, about preparing yourself for work. Or for when you're coming back to the back to like the tasks that you need to do that day or things like that or thing that you need to focus on that day. Yeah, the resources about getting into a task, I found tend to show up most in two specific arenas, at least in my searching. One is for athletes about getting in the zone of how to get into that mental headspace. And then the other is for creatives. 
it's like, how do you get into the creative zone to do your writing? Or how do you get into the zone to do your computer programming? Or how do you get in the zone to do your painting? That it's, that I find those were sort of the two arenas, but I actually think it applies in a lot of other ways as well. But just people don't tend to think about getting into the flow when it's vacuuming or something like that. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I do know some kinky people who need some transition time when they're going to do a scene, mm -hmm. you know, or when they're getting into Dom mode or, or their sub persona or whatever it is. Some people I know can just switch into it super easy and it's super great, but I know other people really appreciate having that time, having that space or having something intentional that they do that helps them get there as well. Yeah. So if you did write something down when you were exiting a situation then this would be a good time to take a look at what you wrote down from that last interaction or that, you know, last space that you were in and kind of refresh yourself, have like a little a little refresher. So if you like check your journal before a date or read a to do list uh, before starting work, just like a, a mental inventory of what you're going to do. And this I found to be very interesting, associating what you wrote down with a goal. So asking yourself the question of like, what do I want from this interaction? What do I want from this day? What do I want from, I don't know, my uh, time with my kids? Like, do I want a closer relationship with them? Do I want a cleaner space? And that's why I'm about to do the dishes again after <laughs> this meal that I cooked. Or yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you want to, you know, improve your podcast? And so I'm going to sit down and do this work for it. Something along those lines. And I really like that idea because it doesn't just like add to the monotony of, oh, I'm trudging through this day yet again, or I'm trudging through this moment in time, but I have like a goal associated with it. And maybe it adds a little bit more lightness to it or excitement to it. Yeah. And it's good, you know, if you want to be goal oriented about it, it's good to make them small and doable, you know, even better if it's small and doable within the time frame that you're at work or at the task that you're wanting to focus on or on the date or whatever, you know, as opposed to something lofty and amorphous, like I want to get a promotion or I want to have a perfectly clean house or things like that. You know, I know that something that I would do sometimes when coming to work is I would more ask myself, what is it that I want to focus on today? So then it could be something more like, okay, I want to focus on, uh, you know, make, keeping my cool, even when someone has said something that's very triggery to me, for mm. instance, or I want to focus on, you know, really just focusing on one task at a time and not trying to multitask, you know, things like that of stuff that I can try on that feels doable. Yeah, I found for myself that having a, a focus can be really good, but also having a goal that's sort of more of a it's almost more about what I want to appreciate about the work I'm doing or what would make this work something that I could be proud of. If even in this very small way of like, I'm proud of how the floors are vacuumed or something like that, but it's focusing on finding some goal like that. It's like, okay, you know, today, you know, my goal is going to be that I want to do these dishes and be really mindful about how I'm doing them. Or I'm going to do these dishes and I'm going to experiment with like a different way of holding the dishes to see if it's more ergonomic for my hands, right? It could kind of be whatever. It can be sort of esoteric or it could be just very concrete. 
but kind of like Dedeker's focusing, it just, it helps, I think, especially with work for me, uh, it really helps me to think I'm just going to focus today on not, you know, I'm going to try to get my stuff done, but my real goal for myself is I want to make the code that I'm writing today really organized. Or like, I want to make this really clear and easy for me to come back to in a year and still understand what I was doing or some, something like that. Something that's a little bit bigger of an idea, but it's something that I can do in every moment rather than it's like, oh, it's completed. Check. Done. Yeah. And it's really natural for the mind to wander or for distractions to just arise. And that's totally OK. You know, I think many of us have the experience of spending time with a partner, but maybe your mind keeps going back to a really stressful interaction you had with somebody that day, or your mind keeps going back to work, or you're hanging out with a partner, but your kids keep running in to ask for things. You know, like, it's it's natural. We're not going to be perfect at this. And so that's why it's really good to... I don't want to say the word recommit, because that sounds so... <laughs> Christian. So I don't want to say that, Um, you know, but again, just kind of bringing yourself back to the what and the why of the mode that you're in right now, whether that's I'm in partner mode or date mode or work mode or things like that. And it can be a little bit easier to get back into it. It can be helpful to recruit help in this as well. You know, if it feels appropriate for your relationship, you can be honest, like, oof, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm a little distracted right now. My mind keeps going back to this thing. And you can evaluate, is it I would love your listening while I talk through this, you know, to help me get my thoughts in order. Or is it I would just love your help in kind of grounding me and and keeping me here and let's talk about something else or or something like that. I think that's an interesting one and a nuanced one when it comes to going on dates and coming back from a date to another partner is that there's some negotiation there with maybe it's, hey, can I come back from this date and talk to you? about how I feel for 10 minutes. But for some people that might be, oof, that's awful. That's kind of exactly what we want to avoid because my partner feels hurt that I'm so focused on this other relationship and not on them when I come back. So maybe that's the opportunity to take 15 minutes to call your best friend and gush about it so you can kind of get it out or it's journaling or it's something to, to let that go. But yeah, finding someone else to help you with that is a really cool way of doing that. All right. So this next one is the the tough one. So if we go back to the original example of I went out on this date and then I kind of dread coming back home to having to do chores and, you know, whatever this, this thing that we've talked about some techniques for changing your mindset and things like that. But if that dread is consistently coming up with with anything, whether that's work or your home life or a particular partner or something, very likely that's a sign. That is your brain trying to tell you, hey, something is bad here. Something is wrong here. And that doesn't necessarily mean that person's bad or that job is bad or that your home or your family is bad. It's not, that's not what I'm saying. But more, this could be a sign that you really need to examine this and try to change something. So first question to ask yourself, if you find that repeatedly coming up is, is there something about this space that I could change my workspace, my home life, whatever? Is there something I could just literally change? Kind of like changing the air, like Dedeker said, you know, maybe it's redecorating, maybe it's spring cleaning, maybe it's getting rid of some things that bring up negative memories or have negative associations or something like that. Next question is, 
is there something that you're not communicating to the people around you in this environment that you should be? Is mm-hmm. there something that you're holding on to that's just kind of festering inside of you and you're not being honest about and upfront about and clear about? And then is there a clearer or more interesting goal or purpose that you could be coming up with for why you're doing this at all? Kind of like we talked about with the goals, but is there something that's more invigorating for you or a different way to think about this interaction? Now, if you've done all of these things and if you've tried various tactics to change your environment, like change maybe your thinking and it's still not really working, uh, it may be time to ask yourself, is something really wrong here? So, yeah, like sometimes a small change to an environment or a change in thinking, it can make a huge difference. But then other times there is something more serious underneath that dread. And that is really something to examine. So in places like a relationship or places like your workspace, it could be anything from maybe needing to have a very serious talk and beginning kind of a, a restructuring process. Do you need to to move jobs? Do you need to, you know, talk to your boss about something very difficult? Or do you need to find a way out of the relationship that you're in, for example? Things like that. Uh, and this can be, I think, really challenging because our brains and I think it just ourselves as people do want to like kind of hold on. And we've talked about that in various episodes in the past. We like to you know, we, we don't want to like change our space so much that it completely makes a huge upheaval to our lives. And yet there are moments in time where maybe that is just the thing that we need. And so it's important to examine that. Yeah. And lastly, we're going to talk about something that's really important for this for, you know, if you're constantly going back and forth between work at home, if you have a very packed schedule or a packed schedule of partners, potentially, how important it is to find a way to have time for yourself. It's so easy to get caught up in moving from one obligation to another. And it even includes things like leisure time that we normally think of as leisure time, you know, like having to be on for a date or spending time with family at home where it's not just that I'm a partner, but I also have to be a parent, things like that. And of course, this everyone has different needs for the amount of time that they need by themselves and different people have different access as well to how easy it is for them to carve out time. You know, having something like a whole evening or an entire daytime once a week that is just yours and isn't available for others to schedule is great. That's not realistic for some people. For other people, they're able to do it. For some people, even if they live at home with a partner or with their family, they can still carve out like, okay, well, this particular chunk of two hours on this particular evening is just my time where I'm going to go in my room and just have quiet time, you know, and we can kind of onboard people in the family with being okay with that. Again, it's going to really depend on what you need and the people around you as well. Zedeker, what's that reference that you always make to Mrs. So-and-so's special time? (laughs) (laughs) Miss Lippy's special time? (laughs) For some reason, I was just thinking about that. From Billy, yes. special time. From Billy Madison, yes. Right. Billy Madison. Where he like Adam comes Sandler film. in during recess and the teacher's yeah, doing okay. ecstatic dance or something. What yeah, the... long story short is that like, <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Adam Sandler as an adult has to go back to grade school. Um, yeah. yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Just, <laughs> just assume it's hilarious in the ways that Adam Sandler can be 
hilarious, I guess. Um, yeah, he's at grade school, the kindergarten teacher. He comes back in during recess, comes back into the classroom and catches her dancing around the room with like a macaroni necklace doing like this ecstatic dance. Um, uh-huh. and, and she's like really caught off guard and surprised. She's like, oh, my goodness, you need to be outside with the other boys and girls playing dodgeball. And and she has to explain to him like, so, Billy, like recess time is special time for you kids, but it's also Miss Lippy's special time. And <laughs> So bad. Like, Find is she you. going and like drinking or what's happening? No, like, no, just ecstatic dancing. That's all. She just needs to freaking reset because kids are difficult. I think that oh, makes yeah. a lot That's of sense. That's how I feel yeah. when I go to an ecstatic dance class. Like, I don't want to invite anyone that I know because it's Miss Lippy's special time. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> Although I would like to see that dinner, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, I mean, that's a great example. It's Miss Lippy's some... special time, Emily. You can't <laughs> yeah. see it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah, that's a great idea. Um, of a way in which you can make time for yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, having things like, okay, let's, here's a list. (laughs) Having things like unstructured time. So doing, I don't know, you could have like an hour or two or a day of just unstructured time doing whatever, whatever you fancy in the moment. Unstructured time is something I find I often really crave if Mm. I feel like every moment of my day is scheduled with stuff. And structured, yeah. Right. That even if I'll end up doing a lot of the same things that I would on a scheduled day, like I'm still going to work on this project a little bit, or I'm still going to do some chores, but having it be unstructured for me is something I find that if I'm not getting enough of that time where I can kind of evaluate what I want to be doing at any given moment or what I want to be working on, I, yeah. I, I like need it. And when I get it, I feel a lot better. There you go. I You could have reading time or watching your own shows. That's kind of nice to be able to, you know, have maybe a show that just you watch mm, that your partner yeah. doesn't enjoy with you necessarily but you are just enjoying it on your own and get a time to to watch that. Uh, writing or journaling. Mm-hmm. That's a fun one. Yeah, my personal favorite. Yeah, walking, exercising, doing something physical. I used to take walks with my partner and sometimes we still do. But I really, really crave like my own <laughs> yeah. personal like 45 minutes to an hour to do that by myself, get caught up on my podcast I really need it. Like, and I've been doing it every day for a long time. So yeah. it's it's great. Um, yeah, things like organizing your environment, if that brings you joy. I'm not great I, about that personally, but I know the two of you are. You're fantastic at it. This is a funny one where we've had some off days where, you know, we're trying to relax. It's like, what should we do? Oh, maybe we should go start to organize some things in this room or reorganize the <laughs> linen closet or something where it's like, this doesn't seem like it would be relaxing and enjoyable, but somehow it is sometimes not all the time, but, but sometimes <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. And masturbating. Great one. Hell yeah. Yes. Always. I, uh, and then there are also things to avoid during this time. Browsing social media. I know I'm that's that's a tough one. I'm definitely do that a lot. But if you can, again, as we said earlier, even if it's just like, okay, take 30 minutes where you really like put down the phone or an hour where you put down the phone and like devote it to something else, something maybe not necessarily productive, but not doing that. Right. And probably your cortisol will go down and you'll be a happier person in general. Oh, boy. Then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This also isn't necessarily the time to, like, catch up on your email or, as we said before, reading the news or doing other stressful things like that, because it is challenging right now. 
we all are in it together and it's a good opportunity to maybe like set that down for a minute and enjoy other things in your life that do not involve looking at all the doom and gloom out there. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the kind of thing, at least what I've noticed for myself, that if I'm ever feeling like, oh, I just I don't have time to make time for myself today or this week or whatever, that every time you reach for your phone to just kind of scroll or just kind of peruse, like that's an opportunity that could be actually like intentional, a little bit of self time, mm-hmm. you know. So for me, for instance, like in between clients or whatever, that it's a very different mood if I just like grab my phone and I'm just scrolling in the five or 10 minutes I have between clients versus if I'm like, okay, I'm going to read actually for this five or 10 minutes or I'm going to meditate or um, I mean, I don't really masturbate um, on work days, but uh, oh. I guess you could if you really wanted I was to. Like, I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or or I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to move along from the masturbation, you know, uh-huh. or or I'm going to write something really quick that it's, you know, that's a good little like opportunity to just squeeze in some of that intentionality. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot of just having that, having that moment. It reminds me of when I was in high school, my voice teacher was talking to me about reading and the importance of reading for pleasure. And I said something like, yeah, I just feel like I don't have time lately. And he said, I've learned that anytime you don't feel like you have time to read is the most when you need to make time to read. And that's really stuck with me of that. Those times when you feel like there's no possible way that I could make any time for myself is when you most need to find a way to make some time for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then this time with yourself, this could be spent with someone else. uh, But just be sure that that feels restorative to you. And with this restorative alone time, this could also be time you spend with someone else doing something fun, but just kind of check in with yourself and make sure that that actually feels restorative to you, uh, or maybe a balance of that. Sometimes that time could be spent doing a fun activity with your partner, but maybe sometimes it's also time just for yourself. Kind of find your balance, try it out and, and see how that goes for you. So... We're going to go on in our bonus to talk a little bit about uh, some research that we've come across in the past about rituals specifically for getting into a work mindset, and then also how that might apply to your relationships. Going to kind of see what we can come up with there in the bonus. So if you want to check that out, you can become a patron. And we would also love to hear from you about Do you have some cool transition rituals? Is there anything that came up in this episode where you realize, oh my gosh, I need to start making transitions between things better. The best place that you can share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 